This is Burgos Ed, the podcast that answers all your questions you never dare to ask about banking. And I'm your host, Aurelia Rauch. Hey there. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter where and what time you're listening to us, a warm welcome to Burgos Ed. Um, banking. There's so many types of that and I, not coming from the banking environment, had to kind of learn how to differentiate the different banks that there are out in the world. And I would assume that not everybody knows exactly what the difference between, for example, a commercial and an investment bank is. So to discuss this with me, um, I invited Dennis König. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Aurelia. And Maximilian Mann. Hi, Aurelia. Well, let's dive right in. Max. Uh, you want to talk about commercial? Is that what you're taking on or investment? Yeah, exactly. We would like to give an overview about the differences of commercial banks and investment banks. That'd be great. And I would uh, kick off with uh, commercial banks. Yes. But first of all, I would like to give a short overview what um, actually the differences are and um, why there are differences. Okay. So um, because of the Great Depression in the U.S., The U.S. government decided um, one day to um, make the Glass-Steagall Act. And the so-called Glass-Steagall Act prohibited um, that a bank is on the one hand offering investment banking services and on the other hand is also serving private clients in the way a commercial bank is doing that. Hmm. And so between 1933 and 1999, let's say there were two different sectors that we had, did not have to so too much together with each other, developed for themselves. And just in 1999, um, there was a new act and now also um, investment banks are able to have a commercial business and the other way around. Okay, hang on. I want to go back to that. So Glass-Steagall Act, you're talking to an art historian, so historic facts, they kind of get me and I want to know more about them. Why? Why was that not okay anymore to, you know, mix those two offerings in terms of banking? Yeah, so um, let's say the crucial part of the business of a commercial bank is to get deposits from private clients. And those deposits have to be safe. Mm -hmm. And because, let's say, investment banks are doing businesses which are maybe a bit more risky, mm -hmm. um, yeah, they decided to separate those two um, bank types from each other. Awesome. Thanks, Max. I know, sorry, put you on the spot there a little bit, but the deal here is that I can ask you whatever I want. So... <laughs> Yeah, no worries. Um, okay, so you were at 1999. What happened then? Yeah, and since then, um, yeah, you have banks that are offering both services to commercial as well as to, um, let's say, professional intermediaries, just um, like as, as funds, governments or, or companies via doing investment banking services. But yeah, first of all, I would um, like maybe give you an overview of what a commercial bank is actually doing or what like is the part of a commercial bank in the economy. Mm -hmm. Please. So a commercial bank is providing basic banking services to generally yeah, smaller private clients, smaller business clients, but also mid-sized business clients. Mm -hmm. These services can include, for example, a normal checkings and savings account, loans, mortgages, maybe some smaller investment products, insurance products, but also other services such, for example, a safe deposit box. Right. And the way commercial banks are making money is usually by earning an interest on loans. Okay. Um, such, for example, mortgages, car loans, business loans, personal loans. And to get the money to make 
or to hand out these loans, they take deposits from customers sure. and pay them an interest rate on these deposits. So other, let's say, savers provide the bank with the capital it can use to hand out loans. And the bank is making money to get the difference between the interest they pay on their deposits and the, the, and the interest they earn on their loans. So this difference in interest rates is one of the main profit drivers of a classic commercial bank. Got it. So what all banks are doing is the so-called maturity transformation. So actually they um, hand out long-term loans mm -hmm. um, and on the other hand um, take short-term deposits because usually on short-term deposits, mm -hmm. you have to pay a lower interest rate than on long-term deposits. And on the other hand, on a long-term loan, you receive a higher interest rate than on a short-term loan. So what they do, they play somehow with the um, maturities of the deposits and the uh, loans they hand out. And this is can lead to um, yeah, a higher profit in times when interest rates are flat mm -hmm. or even falling. But it can be a problem when interest rates are rising because then um, yeah, banks have to hand out deposits with a high, uh, have to take deposits with a higher interest rate and still have this long-term loans outstanding with a fixed interest rate. Mm -hmm. And this can be yeah, a problem. But yeah, it's uh, something all banks are doing in, in, in order to, to, to gain a profit. Yeah, so traditionally commercial banks have a yeah, physical location in a city or in a village, like the typical classic bank branch everyone knows, um, to be close to their end customers. But yeah, with uh, yeah the uh, let's say the revolution of the internet, which was like going on since a few decades, um, a lot of also online banking services have been established. So every bank is offering somehow some online banking services mm -hmm. and also they are pure play online banks in the market which are offering more or less the same services right. uh, traditional commercial bank is offering but everything online okay. yeah and this leads um, to let's say some troubles for traditional commercial banks because for sure the price pressure pricing pressure is increasing mm -hmm. the transparency from the customer side is increasing because for sure they can compare how many interest rates they get on their deposits and sure. who can hand out them the cheapest loan, mm -hmm. something that was not possible that easy, for example, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And yeah, also there is the problem of low interest rates. So let's say the spread between like the interest they receive on the loans and the interest they um, have to pay on the deposits is also decreasing. So it's also yeah, um, pushing downwards the profitability of the banks. And also the um, regulation is increasing, especially here in Europe, which is also leading to higher costs. So um, overall, I mean, now I talked a little bit about commercial banks, but why are they important in our society? So commercial banks really play a crucial role in our economy because somehow they help to allocate money within an economy more efficiently. Mm -hmm. So just imagine, Aurelia, you um, saved some money and you don't have a, um, any way to spend it. Sure. So you take it on your bank account. Yeah. And for this money, you receive at the moment yeah, no, no interest rates, but usually in normal interest rates times, you would receive somehow an interest rate. Right. And you don't need the money for an amount of time. Um, let's say Dennis 
um, wants to um, is a businessman and wants to invest, for example, in a new machine. So he is in the need of this capital and he can get access to the capital via taking a loan. Mm -hmm. So somehow you finance the loan of Dennis with your deposit and the bank is acting as the intermediary and is allocating the capital here more efficiently. Yeah. So it's really plays a crucial role, especially for um, small businesses, which still make a huge part of the economy mm -hmm. as they don't have um, access to debt funding, for example, mm -hmm. or debt financing, for example which is maybe something um, investment banks are doing. So um, also here we see some disruptions. For example, there are some fintechs and fintechs are companies that are like combining both financial services with technology and they try to somehow get a piece of the cake from commercial banks. Mm -hmm. And also what they, for example, um, invented was peer-to-peer -peer lending. So for example, um, you could also borrow me the money directly if I want to buy me and myself a new car and need a loan. So you don't have the bank as an intermediary between that. Okay. But yeah, those are like, let's say the recent developments here and it's like happening in all parts of commercial banks' businesses. Awesome. Thank you, Max. So just terminology, um, retail banks, same thing. Yeah, you can say like, um, for sure, like banks, usually they are specialized in something. So you have commercial banks that are, for example, specialized in mortgage business or in small and medium-sized business clients. But overall, like retail banking also f yeah, falls under the definition of a commercial bank. Awesome. Thank you, Max. So let's switch over to investment banks. Yes. So investment banks are usually intermediaries for, let's say, transactions which are usually first of all big and second of all complex so for example whenever um, a company could be a startup um, prepares an ipo we already discussed ipos um, for example discussing the market participants in another episode yeah. or also when companies would like to to merge um, or one company would like to acquire another one so that's something you call m&a mm -hmm. um, or also when um, let's say securities in a general sense um, change over ownership okay then usually investment banks are somehow involved and then a typical investment bank has different um, let's say departments so for example you have the advisory department and um, this department usually earns fees for their services so for example whenever they give advice to a company um, for let's say acquiring another company they get a fee that's pretty straightforward but then on the other hand, you usually also have uh, the trading department, which is uh, maybe the a bit more notorious one. <laughs> and um, there usually um, you um, don't get fees, you get commissions based on, let's say, um, how often a certain kind of transaction um, occurs. Or also sometimes you make money because the market moves in a certain direction. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, there are, the earnings really um, depend on the market itself. So a classic case for an investment bank uh, where it really um, is entirely involved is, um, let's say, the acquisition of a company. So it usually starts that the company which would like to acquire a target um, might need advice um, already with the question, which company should we buy? Because we would like to buy something, but we don't really know what. So... And then usually you um, discuss it with the advisory department and um, then you continue to discuss um, how should we um, pay for that, how should we fund it. Um, and that's classic advisory business. 
And um, then at some point you're um, at the point where you say, okay, let's make a decision. We would like to proceed with that. And um, then if you're at a big investment bank, then usually um, the trading department steps in and um, then you have to raise the money somehow for that acquisition. So that could be either equity or debt. That's something which is usually determined um, in the process of advisory. And um, now when raising the, the money, you need help. And um, then the investment bank um, usually does a kind of due diligence um, with the company. So um, there's going to be a prospectus for investors. And this prospectus usually has many, many pages. And it explains very much in detail what the company is doing, why it's planning to do that acquisition, and um, what is um, the upside for the investor and which might be the risk. Mm-hmm. And um, then you try to convince investors to give the company money so it could be either um, with bonds so that or could be also equity Mm -hmm. with shares and um, this convincing part is usually done by the investment bank so it usually has quite a big um, client database and then you start calling the clients and trying to convince them to buy these shares And then it's interesting because um, as a company, of course, when you're trying to plan a certain transaction, I mean, everybody knows that when buying a house, it always helps a lot if the bank tells you no matter what we're going to give you the loan, then it's way easier to negotiate with uh, with the seller of the house than if the bank says, hmm, let's see, might depend on hmm, if we give you the loan, then it's yeah. pretty difficult to, to negotiate. That's yeah. why usually investment banks offer that they underwrite these things. That means that um, they guarantee you as a company, we're going to, for example, make sure you get um, the debt. You will, we will sell your bonds. We will guarantee for that um, with an agreed interest rate. Mm-hmm. And then if the salespeople of the investment bank are successful and they sell it to investors, it's all good. But if they're not successful, then it's a problem of the investment bank mm-hmm. because they promised you they're going to sell your bonds. And well, if they don't, they have to buy them. And that, of course, poses a huge risk for an investment bank if you end up with, well, could be a couple of billions of a bond issue on your book. Hmm. And, well, mm-hmm. could be same with equities. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, an investment bank might also offer that they do something on a best effort basis that's pretty straightforward. So they try their best to sell it to investors. And, well, if they are successful, they get a commission. If not, they don't. Okay, yeah. Um, So um, what you see here um, compared to um, commercial banks um, is that the risks involved are a bit different and um, one might argue also a bit higher in general because if one of these transactions goes wrong, a small investment bank might already get a problem if you have a couple of billions of shares on your book and you have no one who would buy them from you. That's, That's a huge risk. And, like it. Um, but on the other hand, usually where there's risk, there's reward. So right. might also be very profitable. Yeah. Awesome. That makes a lot of sense. And you did that so concisely, Dennis, that there's absolutely nothing left for me to ask. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for this. Of course. Thank you. And thank you again, Max. Thank you very much, Aurelia. And thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed this and we're back with more soon. Bye bye.